Amen. Welcome again to Missio Church. My name is Jordan. I'm one of the elders here, and we are uh, uh, glad to be worshiping uh, our great King together. Uh, our text this morning is found in 1 John uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 11 through 18. And uh, so it'll be on the screen, uh, or um, you can look at uh, your device or your Bible or, or whatever, but this is the word of the Lord. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. Whoever does, not abide, whoever does not love abides in death, and everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's pray together. Father, we come in Jesus' name, and we thank you for the love with which you have loved us. We think of the verses that Josh just quoted from Ephesians. It wasn't an emotional decision that you made, but a decision that you made before the foundation of the world, rooted in your character, in who you are, to create everything, and in the midst of all of the creation, to create a people and to redeem those people for your glory. And out of your love for those people, even though they had done nothing, and even though we have done nothing to earn, to deserve, to merit your favor or your love, as an act of mercy, as a demonstration of the love with which you have loved us, you sent Christ to bear the wrath of God for our sin, to demonstrate your love for us, his love for us, and to redeem us back to you. And now, as a demonstration that we are indeed yours, you call us to love one another. So Lord, as we look at your word, we pray that you would by a work of your spirit, continue to transform us to look more like you. Give us the grace to love one another, to bear with one another, and to care for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this text, the, the thing that would be helpful for us is to just kind of peek back, and this won't be up on the screen, I apologize, but to peek back to the preceding verse, to, to verse 10, 
which um, I think Cody was here with you all last week. I don't remember. Uh, but, but to peek back, I know that Levi did this in, in the other uh, places, to verse 10, where John says this, by this it is evident who are the children of God. So what John is, is looking for here is not what makes us the children of God, all right? The thing that makes us the children of God, let's remember this, is not what we do, right? It's what Christ has done. That is, that is once and for all, right? Let's not, let's not think for a second that we do certain things and those certain things uh, earn us the favor of God, right? No, what he's saying is these are things that are evidences of Christ's people, evidences of the fact that the, the Spirit of God now dwells within these people who are, in fact, born again, Right? By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Right? There are, there are two streams of people. Right? We don't like to think this way in the 21st century. We don't like to think this way as, um, as reasonable people. But we're wrong. There are two streams. Those that are children of God and those that are children of the devil. And that's it. In this world, that's it. And if that is uncomfortable for you and your 21st century sensibilities, that's a problem that you have. And you have a problem with God. And you may look at me like I'm some ancient fossil, which I am, but not because I believe this, right? Because this is what God's word says. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not from God. So there's one evidence, right? Whoever does not practice, whoever does not ascribe to the righteousness that God has declared, number one. Number two, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And there, there he sets up for us this pericope which we're looking at here from in verses 11 through 18, right? The one who does not love his brother, right? Brother is more specific even than neighbor, Right? It's not to say that I shouldn't love neighbor, care for neighbor, reach out to neighbor. Right? But here now, he's being very specific with brother. One who is a fellow child of God. Right? Very specific. So lest, lest anyone think that he's talking here about the general, no, he's, he's honed in here with the brother. Right? I'm the, son, I'm the second son of, of, of Jack and Diane Stinziano. I have two brothers. And there were many times growing up that I wished I had other brothers. This isn't being recorded, is it? Like... But no, I got those two brothers. By an act of the sovereign will of God, I was born in that family with those two brothers. Right? Loyalty to them. 
care for them, love of them from a natural perspective. Well, now, right, upon becoming a child of God, I have, I have an allegiance to my new family, my brothers and sisters right here, that, that supersedes even my blood family and a call to love which John would say is evidence of the fact that I am a child of God. I'm born again. It doesn't make me, but it's evidence of. All right? And he expounds on that here. All right? So there's, there's just four, here, four things in here that, that, four phrases in here that for me just jump out. First one is in verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Love one another. I want to I I look at that for a second here. Number one here, we've seen this phrase before, message we've heard from the beginning, right? And you can look at that a couple ways. Is this the message that we've heard from the, the time that we've heard the gospel? Yeah. Message that we've heard from the very beginning of the, of the scriptures? Yeah. Whichever way you want to, yeah. Because this message is rooted in the nature and the character of the Godhead and of who he is. And it comes out of who he is, who he's revealed himself to be. So when I open up the scriptures on every page, right, when I read about who God is, his nature, his character, I see, I see this. That he is demonstrating, he has demonstrated and is demonstrating his love towards his people. And therefore then he calls his people to now demonstrate that same love towards one another. Right? We have been loved. We've been loved in a tangible way. Right? Towards the end of this, of this passage, John highlights that. And now we are called to love one another, right? Now there are, many, there are many ways in which that becomes difficult. I recognize that. This means that we are to bear with one another. We are to forgive one another. Woo, hoo, 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 In the same way that we've been forgiven, we are called to forgive. In the same way that we've been served, we're called to serve. In the same way that we've been provided for, we are called to provide. We are called to love one another. I want you to think about that. And the implications of that. Like on the surface, this sounds like the easiest thing in the world. This sounds like a benign, sta a benign statement. This sounds like something your mother says to you, right, about your siblings. Well, you should love one another. Okay, whatever. But this has tremendous implications. If I'm called to love you, then no matter what you do to me, because I'm the recipient of love, and because I have offended God in ways that are unspeakable, and you have offended God in ways that are unspeakable, and yet his love in Christ Jesus covers a multitude of my sin. And therefore, I am now called to love you in the same way. 
how can I live in unforgiveness towards you? And say that I love you. I can't. How can I withhold good from you? And say that I love you. And profess that I am the recipient of God's good love. I can't. How can I receive the generosity of the love of God and not extend the generosity of God's love and provision to you? I can't. We are called to love one another. All right? So there's much we can unpack with that. But when I look out into the church of Jesus Christ, I see separation that makes no sense if we're called to love one another. It never has ever made sense that the church would be separated based upon skin color, based upon economic status, based upon where someone lives. Right? Never. That's all, that's all sin. We're called to love we're called because we've been loved. We were all. If you go back to the passage that Josh read a, a few moments ago, we were all enemies of God. But God, being rich in mercy, with the love that he loved us, made us alive together. John goes on. And he compares, right? Earlier in 10, he talked about children of God, children of the devil. And then he, he talks about like the very first expression of that in the scriptures with Cain and Abel, right? This, is found in, this narrative is found in Genesis chapter 4, right? We won't turn there. But in Genesis chapter 4, you see Adam and Eve's offspring, Right in Genesis three fifteen, you see that, that you see that there's a line. There's two lines that go out: the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And the very first expression of that, you could argue, would be Cain and Abel. They come from the same parents, and yet one is is for some reason loved by God, accepted by God. The other is is for some reason not. Abel is accepted. Cain, for whatever reason, is not. And as a result of that, because his offering is not accepted, he, he, he's angry with his brother. He rises up. He murders his brother. John tells us it's because he's of the evil one. His deeds were evil and his brother was righteous because he was, verse 12 tells us, of the evil one. Right? And you see this conflict and the tail end of this, he, as, as John's telling us not to be like Cain, the tail end of this is that he says, do not be surprised when the world hates you. And for John, he includes in the world those who have left the church. Right? Those who have once, once were theoretically or once who, who, who we thought were among us but now have left. Don't be surprised that they hate you. I was on a call the other day with a group of guys in India, 
And at the end of our time, one of them said, brother, they've got laws against us now. They're going to arrest us. What do we do? And so we started to talk about this very thing. Don't be surprised. Jesus told us about this. The, the scriptures told us about this. Don't be surprised when the world hates you, not because of you, but because of Christ. Don't be surprised. Be wise as serpents, innocent as... Don't be surprised, though. Right? Don't be surprised. Because, because of what Christ has done and because you are choosing to embrace His righteousness. Right? Again, go back to what we looked at. Not just living righteously, but embracing the righteousness and the righteous standard that Christ has. And then demonstrating that as you love your brother and care for your brother and sister, right? Don't be surprised that when those outside who have embraced a, a false truth in their mind, a, a, a falsity, I don't know that that's a word, but nonetheless, burn, is it a word? A falsehood. When they've embraced that, don't be surprised if they come after you because the life that you are living unto Christ in obedience to him, right, it's an affront to them. And like, like Abel was to Cain, someone whose righteousness brought conviction to him, right, they'll want to snuff it out. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when they say, I don't like the fact that you aren't embracing this and this and this and this. Don't be surprised that when you forgive someone, they say, don't forgive them. Don't do that. That's a stupid decision. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. Don't be surprised when those who claim to be followers of Jesus but are not truly followers of Jesus disparage you for following Jesus, for loving and caring for your brother or your sister. Don't be surprised. Verse 14, John says this, we know, right? Here, here is something that you can know. We know that we have passed out of death into life, right? Here is one of the ways that we know that we've passed out of death into life. And that is, if you are in Christ, that is your reality, right? Now, we live, obviously, in these bodies, right? Paul talks about in Corinthians that these bodies groan for, for, um, to, to put on that which is imperishable. Like, we, we groan to be with the Lord. But for now, we're here. But our, 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 um, you know, our reality is that, is that we are one day going to be with the Lord face to face. But for now, we're here. And we know that we've passed from death to life, right? From slaves to sin to slaves to righteousness because we love the brothers, right? 
And what he's saying here is, not, again, not because uh, we haven't earned this because we love the brothers, but as an evidence, right, of the fact that we've been transformed, one of the evidences is that we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death, right? Someone who's selfish, someone who doesn't care, someone who doesn't take care of others, right? When you make decisions that are selfless, that lay down your life, as we'll see in a second, it's evidence that the grave is empty, that the Spirit of God now resides within, that you have, that you have moved from death to life. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Here John seems to be picking up on what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? That it's not, it's not just how you, how you feel. Gosh, I hate even saying that term. Like the emotion of it, like, I hate you. But the, when, you, when you express that type of emotive feeling, I hate you, that that is like the act of murdering someone. Everyone who hates another is a murderer. It's the antithesis of the love of God. fourth phrase that we have here, verse 16. By this we know love. How do you know love? Is it this warm, happy feeling? No. It's demonstrated in action. And this is the ultimate action, that he, Christ, he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now you might say, well, how do I do that? I I'm not going to a cross, at least not yet, and you certainly wouldn't be doing it for the sins of the world, right? Well, John gives us practical application here on on ways in which we can love one another, on ways in which you lay down your life. He he actually gives you a, a, a practical way, verse 17 and 18, but if anyone has the world's goods, right? He starts talking about stewardship of life here. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, right? If, if, if God has put, put something in your hand and you see someone who is one of your brothers in need, yet you close your heart against him, how does love abide in you? A couple weeks ago, um, there was a coup again in Myanmar. And uh, with the work that I do, um, I work uh, myself and another guy, Cody and I do some work with guys in Asia. And there's a guy I work with every day who's in Bangkok named John Selvam. And John is one of our ministry partners. And so when the coup occurred, John and I were talking. We said, well, we've got two guys in Myanmar right outside of the capital in Yangon. And so I said to John, who talks to these guys regularly, find out from Joseph and Megan, 
what they need, right? Um, what are they going to need? Because pressure is going to come. And, uh, and so John began to talk to them. I began to f- just gather resources, right? That's just kind of what we do. And McGinn, who, when I met McGinn six months ago, had never, nobody's ever helped this guy. And, um, and you, you, you know, when, you've, when you first encounter him, he's just a guy sitting in a hut um, in a village outside of, um, uh, you know, an uh, 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 Asian city. And, um, and we began to talk about um, taking responsibility for his community and his, and his area. And, and he, lives, he lives in an area where there's 32 villages. And, and of those 32 villages, um, there's only churches in two of them. And he's planted those two. And so he decides that I'm going to plant... Um, churches in the, in the other 30 villages. And I'm going to do it quickly. In the last six months, he's planted five of them, and he's moved uh, to, a new, to a new area. And, um, and, and so in doing that, um, he rented a house that was a little bigger than what he needed, but um, he decided to, for some reason, I'm going to I'm going to rent this house, and maybe people can come, and they can pray, and whatever. So in the middle of this thing, four families in McGinn's village get their houses burned down. And McGinn has no idea how he's going to do it, but he just invites those people to just come and live with him. Right? Some of them are believers, some of them are not. He doesn't care. He just opens up his hands with what he has. Not with what he doesn't have. He just opens up his hands with what he has. And he starts feeding people and he starts caring for people. Right? Out of how he has been loved. And he doesn't know that at the same time there are other brothers who are thinking we got to help him again. Right? So we raise a little bit of cash Next thing you know, he's feeding on a regular basis 100 people. He's got 20 people living with him in his house now, and he's feeding 100 people a week, right? If anyone has the world's goods, now you'd look at him on the surface, you'd say, he doesn't have anything. But he looked at his daughter one day, and he saw that she had milk. And he looked at these other little girls, and he said, they don't have milk. So we're going to take the milk that my daughter has and we're going to split it and we're going to give it. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, right? It closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide? Right? So there's a practical way of how I'm going to lay my life down for my brother and my sister. And it's, I'm going to take an inventory of the things that God's put in my hands things God's put in my life. And I'm going to recognize that whatever is mine, right, is there because God has placed it there. And some of it he's placed there for me and my family to enjoy, but a lot of it he's placed there for us to to leverage into the kingdom of God for the benefit of brother and sister 
And some of it, then he's placed within our hands then to leverage even out for the good of neighbor, right? McGinn's already seen a dozen or so people come to faith in the last two weeks as a result of this, right? How, do, how am I laying my life down? I, I'm not gonna go hang on a cross, no. But I can take the things that God's placed in my hand and I can say, what, what do you need? How can I help you? What are the things that we can do together to take care of the needs of our brothers and our sisters? And then what are the things that we can do together as the body to take care of the people in our community and the people that we know have needs outside of here for the sake of the glory of God, right? By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we, 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 ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, no, I don't want to help you. No, I can't help you. No, I need that. I may need that someday. How does the love of God abide in him? John closes this with this. Little children, let us not love in word or talk. There's a lot of talk going on. A lot of talk in the, in the church. But indeed, and in truth, people of God, let us love one another. Let us not talk about it. There's a lot of bloviating. I don't want to bloviate. Let's love one another. Really care for one another and then care for this community indeed and in truth because that is how the Lord Jesus has cared for us. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that you have as an expression of who you are loved us with a perfect love. And now you've called us to love one another and to love the world around us. God, may we, as an act of worship to you, may we love as you've loved. Lord, if there's any in this room this morning who've yet to embrace Christ as Lord, we pray that today would be the day. If there's any around this community, and we know that there are who need Jesus, Lord, we pray by a work of your spirit that you would draw them to yourself. Glorify yourself as you do so, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.